Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Well, we're in a series uh, of, of sermons called The Gospel of God. The Gospel of God. And it's really uh, the Apostle Paul in Romans 1 through 8 presenting the good news of the new covenant. Uh, we said a lot about this through, through the weeks in terms of who Paul is, you know, this, this Pharisee become Christian who, was, uh, who hated Gentiles and now was called to be the apostle of the Gentiles. And the, the church in Rome that he's writing to, he's never been there, he's never seen these people, but they're this really strange mixture of of Jewish believers, uh, Jewish people who have become believers in Jesus as Messiah, and then uh, Gentile converts that somehow have come together, and they're trying to live together, they're trying to do, do life and church together, and, uh, and there's some tension, there's some friction, because the Jews are having a hard time letting go of the law and circumcision and those things that made them Jews and these, Jewish, these uh, Gentile believers are having a hard time putting up with that. And so they're, you know, they're really, really, Paul is really just trying to say, look, guys, here's what the focus should be. And so the, the gospel is really presented uh, in Romans 1 through 8 in two parts. The first part being that um, there's, a, there's a judicial side of this uh, salvation, of the good news, that we are reconciled to God, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and that is that the guilt and penalty of our sins was removed by the blood of Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he, his death, his, his bleeding and dying on the cross covered or washed away, basically, cleansed us of our sin. And so uh, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins and transgressions against them because the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all sin. That's the judicial side. So we're declared not guilty in the court of God. But then there's the, the uh, uh, so, so that deals with our sin, but we need something to deal with our sinfulness. And the, you know, uh, I said it last week, because we are all children of Adam, and Adam sinned against God and, and took the sin into himself and became kind of one with sin, and, and then pass that down through the spiritual DNA, down through the generations, we end up looking a lot like our first set of parents who were rebels and, and sinners. And we don't, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. We're, we sin because we have the sinful DNA in us that causes us and predisposes us to commit acts of sin. And so we need our sins cleansed away. We need our sins forgiven but we also need something to be done with the sinner. We need something to be done with the old Adam in us that is predisposed to commit acts of sin. And the blood of Jesus doesn't cleanse the sinner away. He cleanses our sins away, but it's the cross that deals with the sinner. It's the cross that deals with our old Adam connection, our old Adam DNA, that, that sinful self in us. And so that has to be crucified. And so when, when Christ is on the cross, the first Adam brought us into sin. He is called the last Adam because he represents now the, the race of man. He has come in the fullness of time 
to sum us up in himself the way we were summed up in the first Adam and take sin in himself and take us in himself to the cross and crucify us there with him on the cross and, and therefore bring an end to the old self, the old Adam in us. And then we're buried with him in his, in his burial. So we die with him on the cross, we're crucified, we, we're buried with him in his burial, and then we're raised with him in his resurrection to live a new life, not under the law, not in sin, but as a resurrected person filled with the Spirit of God. And he creates a new race of people that are born again. The first, in the first Adam, we're born. In the second Adam, the last Adam, the second man, we're born again. We're born into the Spirit. And that is crucial. We've got to realize that we are, our lives are now not our own. We are in Christ, and the Spirit of Christ is in us to enable us to live godly lives. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And so I want to, I want to, the title of this morning's message, and it's the second half of Romans chapter 6. We, we, last week we talked about the first half of Romans 6. And by the way, Dennis and I usually do every other week, but he did the first and second part of Romans 5. I'm doing the first and second part of Romans 6. So if you were hoping to see Dennis this morning, uh, you got to see him talk about Father's Day. You're going to have to be satisfied with that. Next week, he'll be talking about Romans 7, and he'll do a great job. So please come back and, and hear him next week. But this week, I want to talk about the second part of, of, you know, the second half of Romans 6. And so the title of my message is Dead to Sin, But Alive unto God. Alive to God. Dead to Sin, But Alive to God. Is that, is that on a slide? I don't know. No, it's not. Okay. Do we have the scriptures? No. Oh, well, yes. Oh, that's good. Okay, so you don't get a title this morning. You just get the text. Would you pray with me? Lord, uh, you, you know I've been telling you for the last two days that I can't do this, that you're going to have to do it. Uh, Paul, Paul said, Who, who's worthy? Who's, who's able? Who's, who has the capacity to do this unless... You do it through us, to preach the gospel, to communicate the truth, pure and unstained by human flesh. And so, Holy Spirit, I am completely dependent upon you this morning. But as Paul prayed for the Colossians, I want to pray for us that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding and revelation, Holy Spirit. That we might walk in a manner worthy of you in Christ. To please you in all respects. Bearing fruit in every good work in the power of the Holy Spirit. Increasing in our knowledge of you, our intimacy with you, our relationship with you, Lord God. Strengthened with your Spirit's power according to your glorious might. And Lord, I pray that for myself this morning that I might be filled again right now with your Holy Spirit, that I may communicate clearly in Holy Spirit that you might come in behind that and, and bring the revelation that sets us free, the truth that sets us free. In Jesus' name I pray, <clears throat> amen. <clears throat> have a bit of a frog in my throat, I'm sorry about that. <clears throat> so according to God's word in, in, in Romans, uh, several different places in Romans, you and I were crucified 
with Christ. The, the, um, the word crucified is always in the aorist, you know, past aorist tense. It's, it means that it happened. And it happened 2,000 years ago. Even though you were only born, like I was born in 1903, I mean 1953. <laughs> I was crucified with Christ 2,000 years ago in his death as me. He died, as, he, he died for me and he died as me. He died for you and he died as you. And so you were crucified and buried and raised with Christ to live a new life in the spirit. And last week we talked about the fact that, that um, in those first few verses of Romans 6 that you and I died to sin. We were immersed, in, baptized into his death. We were buried with him. We were raised from the dead with him. We were united with him in his death and his resurrection. Our old self was crucified. That the body of sin might be dismantled. The stronghold of sin might be dismantled in our earthly bodies. That we would no longer be slaves to sin. And it says, therefore, reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. And so, um, it lists all these things that have happened to us in terms of our death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. And then in verse 11, it says, therefore, uh, many translations say it this way, therefore, reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. I want to point out two two words there. Man, that frog is killing me here. Um, The word therefore... Uh, has a purpose. It refers to, you know, in, in school, and I've said this many times, that, you know, when you see the word therefore, you look to see what it's there for, and it usually points back to what the point that was just made, and in this case, several points that were made about our death, burial, and resurrection with Christ, and our death to sin. And so it says, therefore, just as Christ died to sin once for all, forever, sin can't touch him any longer, therefore, reckon... Reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. The word reckon there, uh, as I pointed out briefly last week, but I'll elaborate a little bit this week, is a, it's an accounting term that means consider it to be a fact. One plus one equals two. Two plus two equals four. It's irrefutable. It's undeniable. You can't, you can't see it any other way. That's what Paul is telling us about our death with Christ, our co-crucifixion, our co-burial, and our co-resurrection with Christ. It's an undeniable, historic fact about Christ and us, because we were in Christ on the cross. I know that you don't feel like you were there 2,000 years ago with Christ on the cross, but the fact is, when you're born again, it it, it is a retroactive fact of life that you are now crucified with him, buried with him, and resurrected with him to live a new life in the spirit. And he says, consider that to be so. Dead to sin, alive unto God in Christ Jesus. And I used an analogy last week that I'm just going to kind of come back to for a moment this morning because it's super important, and there's something I need to point out about that analogy. I said, you know, sometimes we don't see theological truths for us in a, an experiential reality. We see, I died with Christ, 
Oh, that's such a wonderful concept. Oh, that it were true. And we're therefore reckoning yourselves dead to sin. Oh, what a wonderful thought that I could be dead to sin. Oh, that it were true. But I just sin too much and I can't seem to stop. And, and, and so we look at these things like we're going through a museum and we're seeing museum pieces that no longer have any relevance to us because they're in a glass case and they have no function. I don't want us to look at the Word of God that way. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and it, it cuts straight, straight through to the heart and it separates our soul and our, our spirit and our flesh and it calls us to live a life of holiness and godliness. And I'm going to talk about the word holiness in a minute because it's not what you may think it is. <laughs> it's not some you know, legalistic crossing your uh, T's and dotting your I's in terms of like spirit, being spiritual and being holier than thou kind of thing. That's not what this means. But anyway, that's beside the point for this moment. I want you to see the scriptures as alive and, and relevant for you today. And that's what I'm going to attempt in, in the Holy Spirit to do this morning, to bring this right down to where we live. And so I talked about the fact that, that um, w- the word reckon there is to, to really put your faith 100% in something, even though it's not your experience. We have to trust the Word of God over our experience and our history. If the word of God says that I was co-crucified with Christ, buried with him, and raised to live a new life in the spirit, and therefore I am dead to sin, then I have to believe that over my experience of struggling with sin and, and uh, the fact that I've done that in the past and the, and the fact that may, maybe this morning, you know, you, you kicked the dog, yelled at the kids, you know, was, uh, insulted your wife and, you know, just trying to be on time to church. I mean, you know, we do that sometimes, Right. Uh, maybe you don't, but I, I used to. Anyway, back when I was a sinner. No. Um, but, but the Word of God is true, and it's true even if our experience says otherwise. And so here's the thing. I, I used the analogy of an airplane, and I, and, and I said, just suppose that, that you had never seen an airplane, that you'd been living in a cave or something, <laughs> and suddenly you come out of the cave, and you're like, wow, you know, civilization. And uh, someone said, um, brought you to the airport and showed you an airplane, and you saw some planes taking off and landing, and they said to you, you see that big metal cylinder there with those two things sticking out on either side? Uh, You're actually standing there with a pilot, and the pilot says, if you'll get in that thing, I will take you to your desired destination. Now, you see it, and at first you're not sure. Like my, I said, my grandpa, first time he ever saw a big, a big airline plane, he turned to my dad and said, how in the world are they ever going to get that building off the ground? You know, I relate to that. Yeah, I do that every time I get on one. But, um, but you know, we, we, see, we, see, we, so we see it. We see that there's the possibility of this being true. And the pilot has said, I fly that thing. I'll get you off the ground and get you to your destination. And so you purchase the ticket in faith. You reckon it to be so because you've seen planes land and take off. We've seen other people, read about other people who have been victorious and, and, and lived in freedom from sin and, and have lived powerful, fruitful, um, 
influential lives. And we say, you know what? I believe that what Paul said is true, even though it may not, even though I've never been up in an airplane, even though that's not been true of me so far. I put my faith in it. I reckon it to be so. So therefore, I'll buy a ticket, or you buy a ticket, you get on the plane, you buckle your seatbelt, and you sit there, but you, it takes the Spirit of God to get the plane off the ground and take you to your desired destination. I, so um, we see it. We see that it's true. We put our faith in it. We reckon it to be so. And by faith, we say, okay, Lord, uh, I, I want to do this. I want to live a life that is dead to sin but alive unto God. And that brings us to our text this morning. But I'm going to come back to, be, to, to the word see it, or the phrase see it, because that's important for this morning. So I want to look at Romans. I'm going to start back in Romans 11. And, um, and we're going we're gonna to look at what this looks like when the plane takes off by the power of the Spirit. So, uh, in the same way, count, it, it, I like it better, therefore reckon yourselves dead to sin but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. This is the NIV, by the way. I think the New American Standard, other translations say, uh, therefore reckon <clears throat> yourselves dead to sin but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. Again, therefore, <laughs> if, if you do this, if you reckon yourselves dead to sin alive, alive unto God in Christ Jesus, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. How many of you know that your body is not yet perfected? How many know that your body sometimes craves things that aren't good for you, aren't holy, aren't godly? I mean, I'm not gonna, this is not gonna be, you know, Neil confession time, other than I will say that sometimes my body wants stuff, it's not good for me, and it's not in God's will. I mean, I would probably binge watch, you know, shows that I'd sit up all day and all night. I'd be like, the, have you seen the commercial, those, those people that binge watch stuff and they start out and the guy has no beard and by the time they're done, his beard's down to here and, and all the mail has been stuck through the mail slot and it's piled up in the floor. That'd be me. I'd be one of those guys. I'd, I'd just love to, to watch, um, you know, series and stuff. But do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. So there's sin in our bodies. There's this unholy spirit that resides in our members. Uh, and, and Dennis will talk about this in Romans 7. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Don't do that. So one of the things that strikes me here, and I, I'm just going to say this right now, is that unlike before when we were in Adam, before we were in Christ, we really didn't have a choice about sin. We, we just sinned because we're sinners. We just did what was natural. There was nothing unusual about us just committing acts of sin because we were dead to Christ. We were dead to God. We, were, we, we had no spiritual regeneration. We weren't born again. And so sinners just sin. That's just what they do. But now we've been given a choice because we've, been, we've died with Christ to the old self, the old life. We've been crucified with him. We've been buried and raised to live a new life in the spirit. And now we have a choice as to whether we're going to present our, the members of our bodies to sin or the members of our bodies to righteousness. This is super important. 
Do not offer any part of your body to sin as an instrument of righteousness or wickedness, but rather offer yourselves, present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. You have been brought from death to life if you're a Christian, if you believe in Christ. And offer every part of yourself as an instrument of righteousness. By the way, uh, uh, in the Weiss translation, which is a, a, a German scholar who is both a New Testament scholar and a Greek scholar, translates instrument as weapon. I like that. Don't offer yourselves, your parts of your body and yourself as weapons to sin, but offer yourselves as, as in all of yourself as a weapon of righteousness. I like that. For sin shall no longer be your master. Because you're not under the law, but under grace. And Dennis is really going to go into that next week. But don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you, you are slaves of the one you obey. Whether you are a slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. You know, I was, I was thinking about this this morning as I was getting ready at home. I, I, was, just, um, I was just thinking about that. And, um, you know, we have uh, uh, AA and NA uh, programs that help people get free from, uh, from uh, alcohol and drug addictions. And there's a, Rick Warren came up with, with a version of this that is very Christ-centered. Anybody remember the name of that? The Christ-centered uh, 12-step program from Rick Warren. I'm drawing a blank, sorry. I should have written it down. No, it, uh, yeah, it, anyway... But they say that, I'm sorry, celebrate recovery, celebrate recovery. In celebrate recovery, they say that we are sometimes uh, bound by hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And I think most Christians don't want to sin. But the hurts in our lives that we medicate, the habits in our lives, these, these well-worn paths in our in our. <laughs> neuro you know pathways in our brains and just the habit of life and and the stuff that we deal with just as fallen human beings in in terms of of just you know uh the way we were raised the way our fathers you know were there for us or not uh that we're good or, or bad you know we celebrate father's day today i can't overstate i cannot overstate the importance of a good father in a child's life that there are three things that are the most damaging things that I see when I do integrated healing and counseling, and that is PTSD from war, sexual abuse, and father wounds. <laughs> and so we have these, these hurts, habits, and hang-ups that predispose us to sin because we tend to want to medicate our pain, our emotional pain, and, and, and fill those holes in our hearts, even though... Christ should be the one to do that with these things that are not good for us. Alcohol, drugs, shopping, uh, overeating, uh, overwatching over movies, uh, uh, you know, sports addiction. I mean, you, you just you fill in the blank. Everybody has their own brand of, 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 of medicating uh, emotional pain and, and filling those holes in our hearts. And, and, and what Paul is calling these these, these Christian brothers and sisters to do is, is to, not, to not do that, to, to not offer our bodies 
uh, as instruments of wickedness, but offering ourselves as instruments of righteousness, for sin shall no longer be your, your master. Do, so verse 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or obedience that leads to righteousness. Now, I'm going to talk about something here super important to, to get your brains around because this, this, this really drives home the truth of this. But I'm going to do that by introducing it with a story about this man who went to his psychologist and he said, Doc, I keep having these recurring nightmares, these dreams. They're drive, it's driving me crazy. One night I'll dream I'm a wigwam and the next night I'll dream I'm a, I'm a teepee. Wigwam, teepee, it just happens over and over again, night after night. And the psychologist said, well, you're, 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 uh, you're <laughs> somebody just pulled the West when he was little on me and gave the punchline. The, the psychologist said, well, your, your problem is obvious. You're too tense. <laughs> so what I want to point out for, as I read the rest of this passage, is there are two tenses that I want you to pay attention to. Not two tense, but two tenses. The heiress past tense and the present tense. Okay. Thanks, look at this. Thanks be to God that though you used to be, past tense, used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from the heart the pattern of teaching that you now claim your allegiance, that, that has now claimed your allegiance. So our allegiance is to the gospel. Our allegiance is to the truth. Our allegiance is to the truth that sets us free because we want to be free. Okay. Verse 18, you have been set free from sin. Past tense. That's the reality. And have become slaves to righteousness. That's present. That's now. Okay. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity, to ever-increasing wickedness, now, now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. Oh, it's beautiful. Holiness is beautiful, guys. I want to explain that. When you were, past tense, slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. That's the old self. That's the old stuff that's passed away that got crucified. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you're now ashamed of? Ashamed of. Those things resulted in death. I, I want to point out this. When we live in sinful patterns and offer our members to sinful things in sinful ways, we sow to the flesh and we sow to, to those things that aren't good to us and we reap these three things without fail Shame, bondage, and death. It just, it's just a matter of course. When we sow to the flesh, when we sin, when we live in sin patterns, we reap shame, bondage, and death. That's just, that's, you, you reap what you sow. And, and guys, this morning, I just want to tell you that there's something so much better than shame and, and um, bondage and death that we can reap as, as we sow to the Spirit, as we live in righteousness, as we, as, we, as we follow the Spirit, recognizing that we've been crucified with Christ and now we live in the new life of the Spirit. What benefit did, did you reap at, the, at that time from the things that you're now ashamed of? Those things resulted in death. 
But now, but now, (laughs) you have been set free from sin. You have been set free from sin. You have become slaves of God. And the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. Man, I'm so excited about what I'm going to say here. Here's what I want you to see this morning. So, so and I said, in order to, uh, to walk in the fullness of what I'm talking about, I said this last week, I'm saying it again now, is you have to see what's there, what's possible. You have to put your faith in it. You have to reckon it to be so. And then um, the third thing that I left out was that you present yourself to God, you offer yourself to God, you offer the members of your body to God to be slaves of righteousness so that you, re- you reap righteous, holy lives. And then the Holy Spirit takes your plane off the ground. He makes this life of, 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 of freedom and, and um, of usefulness and meaningfulness and, and joy and peace an experiential reality. The Holy Spirit does that. But Dennis, Dennis, my dear brother, pointed out in sermon preparation the other day, we, 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 we preached to a group of, of, of uh, people from the church, Dennis included. Wes is usually there, Jim DeKaiser, a couple other people that, that we preach this group, and then we get feedback, and then we go back and we tweak things, and we present something much better on Sunday morning. That's, at least that's the plan. I don't know how much better this is than what Thursday, but anyway, I guess it was Friday this week. But Dennis pointed out that some people might say, well, how do you see this? How do you really see? Because I shared with you last week that I had a breakthrough in revelation, understanding of how this actually works in experiential reality in my own life. And it's been a 44-year journey, and I'm embarrassed to tell you that, that I'm really just getting this. That it's really just sunk into my heart to the point that I'm able to walk this out in, in consistency. I mean, we're never, you know, perfectly sinless, you know. And I'm sure I've sinned between now and a couple weeks ago whenever this happened. But there, there is a, a mandate from Scripture that we really, like, pursue the Lord. We really seek Him diligently. We really, we really uh, go after Revelation. We, we pr- pray, Holy Spirit, help me see what, what I don't see. Like, I, you can read Scripture and you can say, yeah, that, that sounds great. Yeah, that, that's probably true for this person and that person that's really walking a godly life, but it's really not true for me, and I don't know what's wrong with me. Well, the problem is you haven't fully seen it yet, and it does take the Holy Spirit to reveal it. Do you hear me? It takes the Holy Spirit to reveal it. He's the one that has to take the blinders off. He's the one that has to, to bring the clarity. Uh, Dennis was talking about, you remember back in the 90s, I think there was, uh, you could buy these books and it was in the paper, uh, you know, like in the, the, the comic section. There'd be this picture and it would be a bunch of confusing dots and, you know, colors and stuff like that. And you would have to, to hold it at a certain distance from your eyes and you'd really have to concentrate and try to let your eyes kind of focus. And then suddenly there would be a picture of something that would appear, a boat. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I hated those things. I get headaches trying to, you know, it take me half an hour to see it. And that's kind of how my life has been. It's taken me a long time to see this truth as revelation. But suddenly, 
It, it clears and, and then you see something. Guys, go after what we're talking about. If you're not seeing something clearly in the gospel, if you're not experiencing freedom from the bondage of sin, go after it. It's worth it. The Holy Spirit will help you see it. The Holy Spirit will help you know it. The Holy Spirit will help you reckon it. And the Holy Spirit will make it, will help you present your bodies to, you know, your members to, as we're talking about this morning, because you have died to sin and you are able now in the power of the Spirit to live in newness of life, presenting your members of your body as slaves to righteousness, resulting in holiness. Now let me talk about that final thought there, resulting in holiness. I have in my reading and uh, in in my knowing of, of people that have walked in this in this freedom from sin, and, 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 and I, I hesitate to call it victory because victory means that it's forever done, you know, like, like something's been completely done away with. Sin, you died to sin, but sin did not die to you. There's still something working in the members of your body that is not good. But it's the law of sin and death, Paul says in Romans 8, and I want to get to preach on that. But he says, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. How many people know that the law of gravity is still intact? <laughs> but David and Tobia and Sophie flew into, Spring, or flew into Columbus this, this week because in that airplane that they flew in, the law of, of aerodynamics superseded the law of gravity, and they were able to overcome gravity and fly across the ocean and then across the country for Sophie. Because the law of aerodynamics superseded the law of gravity. They were able to get off the ground and fly. And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has overcome the laws of sin and death that's in our bodies. So as I've, I've, as I've read the biographies and I've read the stories and I've, I've witnessed the people that are walking in this kind of fullness of life in the spirit, in this holiness these are the things that we can expect to experience as we do that. There are seven things that I want to point out. I'm sure there are more, but these are the seven that really stand out to me. Intimacy with Christ as we've never known it before. There's an intimacy. You can have an intimacy with God, intimacy with Christ that will blow you away. We sing about it this morning. And nothing else, and nothing else. I just want you and nothing else. We can have that kind of of intimacy. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath I will sing of the goodness of God. We can know that goodness. We can know him in deep intimacy and friendship. And I'm beginning to experience that in, in my own life. I mean, at a deeper level than I ever have. And then number two, freedom from sin slavery. We don't have to, to be dragged around by the neck by sin any longer. We don't have to. We can say no to sin and yes to God. And then there's the, the whole thing of joy and peace and the shalom, the well-being of God that comes into our lives and just settles in on us. Our circumstances can be a raging sea, but just below the surface there's joy and peace that cannot be disturbed. You know what I'm talking about? Then there's the whole thing of power, a new power in ministry. We have more power 
than we've had before. There's a confidence as we minister to people. I, I, I sit in front of people and cast out demonic spirits a lot. <laughs> it's the part of integrated healing, and I, it's the part I love. When I'm really walking in this, the confidence I have to look into a person's eyes and say to that demonic spirit that it's looking back at me, I command you out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is, it's, it's really fun at that point. When I come in and I'm not so sure about things, it's a little more difficult. Let me just tell you. There's fruitfulness. We, we bear fruit like we've never born, born, born before. Because we, we have the spirit of Christ working in us and through us. It's, this is all about him, guys. This is all about just letting him do what we can't do. And then there's, there's a new power in prayer that we experience. And then the word of God just comes alive to us. Man, that's, that's a good, th- those are good things. Who wouldn't want that? I'm not going to make you raise your hand if you don't. But shame on you. What are you doing here? <laughs> Finally, let me just say this. Each of us has a race to run. Each of us has a course marked out before us. God has, has, has redeemed us, and he's made us masterpieces, and he's given us work to do that he's, he's prepared for us before we were born. Are you, are you about that business? I want to share a quote from Watchman Nee, who was a Chinese Christian uh, back a century ago or so, and really lived out his faith and, and spent the last 20 years of his life in prison in China because he preached the gospel. But listen to what he says here. The path of every Christian has been clearly marked out by God, and it is of supreme importance that each one of us should know and walk the God-appointed course. You hear that? you got a race to run, guys. Paul says to Timothy, in, in Timothy, first Timothy, or second Timothy, I'm sorry, four seven, I have run the race, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith, and now there is a crown of righteousness laid up for me, and not only me, but for all those who live like this. <laughs> so good. We have only one life to live down here, and there is nothing more tragic than to end. To come to the end of this life and know that we have been on the wrong course. Guys, that's sad. I had a friend say one time, I don't want to climb the ladder of life only to reach the top of that ladder and realize that my ladder has been leaned up against the wrong wall. Dennis said in sermon preparation Friday that he, he had a friend who said, Our souls can be saved, but we can still live wasted lives. Saved soul, wasted life. I don't want that. I don't know about you, but I don't want that. And you know, the Bible is full of stories of our heroes that did not finish well. They just didn't finish well. I mean, honestly, David didn't finish very well. Solomon certainly didn't finish well. Saul didn't finish well. There's so many people that didn't finish the race well. They crawled across the finish line if they even made it. And I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm just talking about living a life that God intends for us to live. 
the beauty of saying no to sin and yes to righteousness and holy living is that we can live free, joyful, peaceful, meaningful, fulfilling lives that honor God and, 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 and we grow in righteousness and we leave a legacy. Fathers, we leave a legacy to our children. I want my, my children at my funeral, if, if I outlive them, and I hope that I do, to say that my dad pursued God with all his heart. He said no to sin and yes to righteousness. And he finished his course and he finished well. That's what I want. I hope you want that too. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for every person here. God, I just pray that we will say no to sin in the power of the Spirit. That we will say, you know what, I was crucified to that. I don't have to, I don't have to do that. I'm going to say yes to you, God. I'm going to present everything in me and everything that I am, including my physical body, to you. To be used as an instrument of righteousness. And then accept our offering, Lord. Fill us with the Spirit daily. And cause us to finish well. I pray that for every single person in this room. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.